The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the overlap of marketing, finance, and accounting. Joining us is Vinny Fisher, who's the CEO of Fully Accountable, which is an accounting firm that specializes in e-commerce and digitally-based businesses. Fully Accountable is a full back office accounting and finance done-for-you service that was established to answer the question that faces all business owners. How much money am I actually making in my business? They handle everything from day-to-day accounting to operational and fractional CFO services. And today, Vinny and I are going to discuss why no matter what your job function is, it's always about profit margin. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Vinny Fisher, CEO of Fully Accountable. Vinny, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on the show. We're joking before we started the podcast about how my name is similar to another podcaster, and I cringe every time I see the word Ben Shapiro in Twitter's trending feed. You've had this problem yourself as well. Tell us a little bit about the story. So the reality is we have things in business where we have good days and not so good days. You know, back in the 09, we would have sold our digital publishing company to a now defunct company, but at the time was doing quite well sold our assets, got a big chunk of money down, and then had a kind of a buyout earnout on performance on the backside. A couple months into that deal, their offices got into a pretty big fight with the government. Unknown a little bit to us, that resulted in a raid of our offices and shut down, take our servers, get on the news. I'm landing from a vacation with my family only to find my business partner calling my cell phone at the time my cell phones existed, where it was off and I land to find my name, face, prominent local attorney plastered all over the local and national news in a knee-deep dive with the attorney general of our state. So I know what it's like to have exposure in both directions. You know, I'm a good marketer. You can see if you're looking on video, I've got a bunch of plaques that show that I'm awesome in doing some of those things. And I've also recognized, you know, I've been with and I've been without. And so I know what it looks like to have your name spotlighted in both directions. Vinny, I sympathize with you, man. And fortunately for me, most of the time when Ben Shapiro is trending, it's the other guy. But hey, we've all been there. And 
brings me to the point of you are a marketer who runs an accounting and finance firm, not necessarily something that you always think of being related. You know, the marketers go run the business and the accounters are counting the beans or whatever it is they do to make sure that everything adds up. How does a marketer end up running a accounting and finance business? If you look at my entire resume, Ben, and what I do, I had the great fortune of building most of my stuff off of problem solution orientation. So usually the problem is my problem and the solution that I'm devising is a way to solve a problem I have. And so for me, Fully Accountable was built inside of my health supplement company. We were doing quite well. We were a mid eight figure company, like 11 people in my accounting department. And nobody could tell me in this high transaction business, broken down by affiliate, what it costs to acquire the customer. I kind of lost my crap and like, this is it. We're going to fix this. And so in the process of fixing that, I learned things like, holy crap, I'm only profiting 8% at the bottom, but I should be profiting 22%. Well, all of that led to me fixing a problem I had in my relationship to the bottom line in our business. And that's what birthed out Fully Accountable. And that really also trickles down into what's happening in marketing as we're seeing marketing being more integrated with sales, with customer success. We're we're getting more data as marketers, not only from, you know, lead to MQL to hopefully those convert to SALs. We don't just sort of get the customers and hand them off. Now we're responsible for driving bottom line results. So talk to me about how you think about optimizing for not just body count, not just sales, but actually thinking about the profitability. What do marketers need to know about driving incremental profit margin? I think it literally all starts with like a vision I like to point out to somebody is, here was what my relationship was to our revenue. I was always consumed with driving gross revenue. I would always think more money in the door would solve more of our problems. Back in 2012, I was walking up on a stage to receive a Marketer of the Year award. And I leaned over to my business partner and said, wouldn't it be hilarious if this audience knew that we were more profitable when we were half the size? So one of the things I think is important, especially with the changes going now in direct-to-consumer, is before you and I, we would spend every dollar we could to get an eyeball buying digitally. Well, now that things have shut down and behavior is buying digitally, I would say that margin is more important than ever in evaluating how you acquire a customer. So let's talk about the flow of data and how an advertising impression trickles down to profit margin. And what are some of the steps that you look at when you think about breaking down some of the data and analytics An increasingly important focus in marketing is being able to understand these stages of the buyer journey, not what your conversion rates are, but also assigning them to the dollar value. What are the stages that you think about when you're figuring out how to go from lead to dollar? You know, I'm so thankful for the tech stack that's out there today. But quite honestly, one of the reasons I really pushed in hard and as we built Fully Accountable is that most of the dashboards and technologies out there are measuring from click through to conversion. One of the things I discovered was your bank account matters a lot. So we measure from what's in the bank account backwards because those numbers may not be the same. What lands in your bank account doesn't always line up with what's, so we go in the reverse fashion. We say, all right, here's all the dollars. Let's track back to our metric of what our real acquisition cost is, not try to make an error deviation for what our click costs are. And so you can be 5% off on that number. Well, 5% change in your marketing spend or your ROAS is a big deal. Yeah. 
for the record. I love my accountant and the backend services that we have. But there is always this idea of I look at my P&L, my balance sheet, and it says you've got X amount of money. And then I look at what's in my bank account. And fortunately, it tends to be a little bit more. And I was like, well, does the bank account not matter? Like what happens to those dollars? That feels like the real figure. Why is there always a difference in cash on hand as opposed to, you know, what the business operations actually look like? Yeah, I'll tell you, it, that was always my consternation when I dealt with our CFO or a controller, understanding the difference between cash flow and a snapshot PL of a period of time. And so, as quick as the accountant would hand me a PL for the month of October, you know, if he handed that to me in November, it's a snapshot of a certain amount of days, time, hours. Cash flow deposits keep happening in and out. So I had to realize the difference between a cash flow statement of what's really in cash versus looking at a window of time based on normalizing my earnings against my expenses. All right. So as we bring this back to thinking about marketers, I understand that there is your cash flow and there's understanding profit margins. There's all of the stuff that goes into your accounting. What are the important things that marketers need to think about as they operate their businesses? to try to start to maximize the profit, the dollars. So 42 cents of every dollar spent in the internet is marketably spent to acquire a customer or to actually even spend some of that money to reacquire the customer you already have by re-engaging them. And I would tell you that there's a lot of waste that we as marketers spend in acquiring the customer. And what one of the problems is we're spread out over too many channels. And one of the reasons we're spread out over too many channels is we have this fear of missing out on the hot channel. If we could, as marketers, come back at this at the way we're supposed to come at it with an addressable market, who do we serve? You hear words like audience, avatar. The tighter we dial that in, the better we can get at cutting out this channel envy and being in too many places. So acquisition costs by far is the thing that a marketer needs to focus the most on. And I think if they paid attention to their audience and tightened up who they spoke to, they could massively improve those costs. Yeah. And I think from a brand consultant strategy, a lot of what I did over the last five years of my career was help brands understand who their customers are. And by asking your customers where they look for information, you figure out what your marketing channel should be. I love the concept of channel envy. A lot of the times when I am working or advising sort of less experienced marketers, they start to think about, well, I have to have a social presence and I have to have my AdWords and I want to work with influencers and podcasts are a big deal. And boy, it'd be nice to have an out-of-home presence so my mom could see what I'm working on. And there's TikTok and Snapchat and there's a million different ways that you could start to market your products or services. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. 
Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How do you recommend that marketers start to think about what channels are the right ones for them to maximize their profit margins? It's all about the audience. So if your audience is 50 plus, then you don't need a tick or a talk. And you may not even need a snap or a snip. You need to probably be in like things like Facebook, where your grandma hangs out. Friendster. Friendster, like whatever. It really starts with the audience. You know, you ever have that situation? And for me, it's like church. Someone walks up to me. Oh my gosh, Vinny, I really heard you're great at business. Oh my God, that's cool. He's like, oh, I'd love to get together and talk to you. I'm like, oh, cool. What are you, what are you looking for? I mean, I just need a job. Oh, all right. What kind of job are you looking for? I just want to help people. That's how people's marketing sounds when they're stretched across too many channels. They're just talking to everybody. And the reality is if you really have a young audience and it's a hip crowd, Instagram is a great place to be. But if I sell to all men and I'm on Pinterest, I don't understand the channel. That's my point about knowing who you're talking to. Channels have relevance. Now there's some overlap, but the reality is understand the channel you live in for the reason you do, as opposed to just be there because everybody else thinks it's cool. So, all right, you got to understand your market. And the process for me is you got to go talk to your customers and start to think about where they're thinking about your types of services. Now, as you're starting to think about the evaluation of your marketing channel, what recommendations do you have for marketers to look at a given marketing channel and decide where to invest and how much to invest? I'll use our company's example, some of the marketing efforts that I do. So I sell a need, not a want. The reality is I just have to accept that. But what's interesting in knowing that and knowing the audience of who I serve, people under a need base are doing searches for a service I provide. So AdWords or a search engine type methodology is a strong place for me to be. Now, I got to pay more money for those clicks and I got to compete with other people for those clicks. But the category of search is really strong for me. And so we put a lot of budget in search. Now, what do we do? We make sure we're actually targeting the people that are truly looking who fit within our avatar of e-commerce, seven-figure businesses, geographically aligned with the places we serve. But we want to put a bunch of dollars in information there because we know someone who's searching for us is a very engaged prospect. Talk to me about the plumbing. You know, you're going through AdWords, you're getting your clicks, you're getting your website traffic. There could be a demo form or a sales call. How do you actually go back and get through the evaluation? Talk to me about the flow of data all the way from click to dollar. Yeah. So in the all look at your seasons, I think as a marketer, you know, there's a first impression, right? And for us, if someone's searching, 
they're looking for information about a topic. They don't want to be sold just yet. So we might drop them onto a content piece about the topic they're looking for. Then if they stick around with us, we're going to give them some more opportunities to learn about that topic which will ultimately land on a suggestion to be on a sales session where we're going to talk them through some type of strategy call about what's the best fit for them. If they fall off anywhere in that process, we're remarketing to them through another channel by picking up that click in another environment. If we've collected an email from them, we're reintroducing ourselves. If we've been able to pixel them, we might be dropping something in their Facebook environment or their LinkedIn environment. We're remarketing back to that engaged prospect wherever they are in the process. But our ultimate goal for us is to drive you to some form of communication where we can help you make a choice. We look for choices, not buying decisions. So you've got a multi-stage funnel that you're remarketing through, right? People are doing the introduction, education. At some point, they get down into consideration, hopefully becoming your customers. And then you have to figure out how much they're worth over a long period of time. How do you think about LTV? If somebody signs up, they pay you up front, but you don't know how long they're going to stick around. How do you figure out the true value of those customers? You know, this was something for me, it was like a light bulb moment about this idea of benchmarking, right? Something we don't do a good job at all of the best practices finance bring into business. One of them is benchmarking. It's a quite simple topic. It's this idea of measuring yourself against yourself today, yesterday, a month ago, last year, this time, that kind of thing, right? And then you can also benchmark against the industry you sit in. Are you actually looking and acting like margin-wise the acquisition? So knowing all that, one of the things to measure for me in accounting and finance is to know that the industry average of a customer is longer than three years. Well, I have the privilege of having one of the longer shelf lives of a customer. Here's the problem, though, with most of our fellow marketers. When we're measuring lifetime value, we should be measuring average order value plus re-up rate because they're not old enough to measure lifetime value yet. It's a target. I recognize it. But most businesses are so youthful that LTV is a secondary measurement. Maybe average order value and average engagement of reorder value is a better metric. Yeah, it's really average order value. And then what you're doing is thinking about what your churn rate is. And that helps you understand or predict what the LTV might be going forward. Last question for you today. You know, when you start to think about evaluating your marketing channels and associating backwards from the dollars your customer value, not all marketing channels are responsible for the last click. Not all of them are introducing your brand. There's this concept of multi-touch attribution. From a finance and accounting perspective, how do you figure out which channels are truly driving value when some of them are just middle of the funnel channels that just don't necessarily introduce you to a lead, they don't necessarily convert it, but they just help you move along the path. Talk to me about multi-touch attribution. Yeah, attribution is a funny thing. Like, you know, there's got to be a little bit of wisdom in the system of where to apply some of that. My advice to our marketing team is to think about kind of advertising on the side of a stadium. Why does a brand do that? Well, there's some value. So let me bring it into real life examples. Negative keyword advertising on top of other people competing with you for the same clicks. That might look like a billboard. It may not actually result in a direct click, but it'll get someone searching for somebody in a category who's also ranking either paid or organically on a thing. And it gets top of mind advertising. So I'm constantly with our SEO group 
battling about some negative keywords. They might cost me 15 bucks a month, but once in a while, they'll land a conversion and someone will say, oh my gosh, is that worth it to us? I'm like, you tell me, do I want to keep that running or not? And it's real soft. And so sometimes you can put things in place like good pixeling and UTMI parameters and pick somebody up. Other times, quite honestly, you got to live with a little soft measurement and live with some of that knowing some of that engagement soft. So somewhere in the middle, Ben, like I don't want to give you this super technical answer because you can attribute through parameters stuff that's real and click and contract. And then there are other things that as marketers, we know sometimes showing up and amplifying your brand is going to help in other ways. I always call marketing an art and a science. And I think of accounting specifically more as a science than an art. And so now that we're blending the two of them, you know, you're calling it soft measurement. It does get a little confusing understanding what is actually driving marketing value and making sure that that ties in all the way to the bottom line. So I guess there is some art to accounting as well. So what will happen there, to be fair, the CFO, good news for a system like ours, our CFOs are trained in only one language. It's digital. So they're understanding, at least in the framework of our digital community, where that sits. But historically, a CFO is going to say, hey, I can't track that cost. It doesn't seem justifiable. And the leader marketer will have to say, whoa, 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 whoa. But here's what else that does. So there's always going to be this tension between the accounting and finance department and that soft side, because accountants don't want to measure to the nickel. They want to measure to the penny. They don't like loose. They don't like some of that. And there's always going to have to be the marketing defense of some of that part of it. So I don't want to hear and say accounting suddenly gets loose. I'm going to say is that there's a gray area in between that has to be led through and measured. The marketing and accounting team might not agree on everything. It doesn't mean we can't still be friends. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Vinny Fisher, CEO of Fully Accountable, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Vinny and I are going to discuss growing beyond your shadow as a business owner. If you can't wait until your next episode and you'd like to learn more about Vinny, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Vinny Fisher, V-I-N-N-I-E-F-I-S-H-E-R, or you could visit his company's website, which is fullyaccountable.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.